Well, hey, we are continuing our series that we're calling The New Life, and this is about how Jesus changed the world with two words, follow me. When Jesus called people out, he said, follow me, and some people did. They left their fishing nets, they left the tax collector's booths, they left what they were doing, and they went and followed Jesus. Now, it was a fantastic time to follow Jesus in his earthly ministry in the New Testament because you could literally, like, oh, he's walking on the road to this town. You just followed him. Like, you went with him. You know, it was like joining a church or something. You know, you just showed up for the meetings and you you got to be part of what was going on. Now following Jesus is a little trickier because he's not actually like right here in that physical sense, but we still are called to follow Jesus. And this series is about how do we do that? How do we live that new life in Christ? How do we walk out that born again life? And last week we talked about how to understand being part of the church, that we are citizens of heaven and we're part of something bigger than just ourselves and our relationship with God. We belong to the body of Christ. And so we we want to take responsibility and be part of that. This week, we're going to talk about water baptism. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter 6, where the author of Hebrews, we're not really sure who it is, could be Paul. I even heard somebody say Phoebe. Anyway, we're not exactly sure who wrote the book of Hebrews, but uh, let's read Hebrews 6, 1 through 3, because we believe that this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And let's read it. Therefore, Let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Hallelujah. Let's grow up. You know, reach up, rise up, reach out. It's about rising up. Let's let's get to maturity. Let's not just be in that infant stage for forever. Let's grow up in our relationship with God. So again, uh, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, or it could be, you know, this, there's, there's a possible double meaning here, acts that lead to death, meaning sinful acts, the wages of sin is death. It can also mean like useless rituals or dead works, I think the King James says, where it's get out of pointless religion into a real relationship with God. So repentance from acts that lead to death, turning away from sin and also turning away from dead religion and of faith in God, hallelujah. Instruction about cleansing rites. Now, come on, 2011 NIV cleansing rites. Uh, the, the Greek word there is baptisms. And uh, that's just a Greek word that was just turned into a, uh, an English word. And it means cleansing, you know, so cleansing rites, you know, immersion, washing, that sort of a deal. So instruction about cleansing rites in the plural, the laying on of hands, this is talking about, you know, praying for people and commissioning people, laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment and God permitting we will do so. So here's a fantastic list of elementary teachings, one of which is instruction about baptisms or cleansing rites in the plural, that there are multiple baptisms, multiple cleansing rites in the the relationship with God that we have. It's not just you know, baptized as a baby, confirmed as a teenager, and off you go. Uh, But there are multiple baptisms. So what is this talking about? Well, if we go into the book of Acts, chapter 2, and also with John the Baptist, we see 
two types of baptism, you know, kind of right next to each other. We see the baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we see water baptism. Let's just read Acts 1.8, the classic baptism in the Holy Spirit uh, verse. You know, there's a whole bunch more. We'll talk about that next week, actually. So we'll talk about water baptism this week, Holy Spirit baptism next week. So Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit that empowers the believer to be able to serve God, you know, in the spirit. So that is very, very important. So that is what we see here. Then that happens The outpouring of the Spirit, Acts chapter 2, you know, that group of about 120 gets baptized in the Holy Spirit. They're speaking in other languages, actual earthly languages that other people are hearing. It's an incredible miracle. And then uh, Peter preaches a great sermon, and he calls people to turn to Jesus. And we see the culmination of that in Acts chapter 2. We'll start in verse 36. Peter's preaching to the group and he's been laying it on thick, man. He's been saying, you crucified Jesus and, you know, all this stuff. And he's he's letting them have it, the truth and love, but he's not, he's not sugarcoating it. And here we pick it up at the end of the sermon that Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Let me tell you, this is what every preacher wants to hear. What what should I do? You know, cut to the heart and just like, let me know. Because let me tell you, 99% of it is people just not wanting to do (laughs) what the obvious truths of the Bible are. Uh, But when they're ready to go, hallelujah. It's real simple. So Peter's probably going to say something real clear and real good. When all these people are like, you're right, what do I do? Here's what Peter has to say. Verse 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. This is water baptism. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So that's pretty impressive. 3,000, you know, that's quite a difference from, you know, what I said, that 150 Acts 115, you know, in those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120. Did I just say 150? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, it's 120, about 120. So they have about 120 believers. Now, 3,000 more come into the church on that day. And we see here the, the mixing of water baptism and Holy Spirit baptism as well. You know, verse 38, repent and be baptized. That's water baptism. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So again, we'll talk about Holy Spirit baptism next week, but those are intertwined, interestingly, in several verses in the scriptures. But we see this baptism in water, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and here 3,000 people are baptized on the same day, turning to Jesus, turning away from their sin of crucifying Christ, of not trusting in Jesus, of the violence and the hatred that they had in their hearts. They're turning away from that and they're turning to God. 
and they're receiving forgiveness. So that's what's going on here. Water baptism starts right away in the New Testament with John the Baptist. So obviously, John the Baptist is somebody who uh, is going to be baptizing people, you know, just given the name there. Uh, John, the one who baptizes, you know, that's John. John the Baptist. Let's go to Matthew chapter 3, and this is about John preparing the way. We're actually going to read the whole chapter, but let's start in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So this was his basic message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Come on in. Now is the time to come in, to repent, to turn away from your sin and come to God. There is forgiveness and you can have new life in Christ. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. And he's calling people in. Now, my translation, the Pastor Mike translation of repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near is simply this. God's about to do something great. So get your heart right and you can be part of it. That's what repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near means to me. Is God wants to do something great in your life, in your circles. And if you get your heart right, you'll get to be part of it. But if you don't get your heart right, if you're just resisting God or you're stuck in your anger or whatever, you're not going to get to be part of it. So repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's a little bit of a change in the wording from the 1973 NIV to the 2011. This says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The other one says the kingdom of heaven is near. So the idea here is that the presence of God is here. God's plan is here. We need to see it. We need to participate in it. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So this is uh, the beginning of the message, just keep reading here, Matthew 3, 3. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So this was, he was an interesting guy, you know, kind of a hermity type, seems like. And then check out verse seven. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing. So who are the Pharisees and the Sadducees? These are the religious leaders of the day, the, the leaders of the two most prominent sects of Judaism in Jesus' day. The Pharisees, number one, the Sadducees, number two. And so they're coming to be baptized by John. And here's John's response. He said to them, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance and do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So is John the Baptist like sugarcoating this? Not at all. You know, like Peter wasn't sugarcoating anything in Acts chapter two. John is not sugarcoating anything here. And John here is very harsh against the religious leaders of the day. You know, in, in Hebrews chapter six, you know, repentance from acts that lead to death or from useless rituals. You know, that whole idea of religion had turned into this mess that didn't really lead people to God. It led people into this, you know, burdensome hassle 
uh, you know, of religion. And John is preparing the way for the Lord. Repentance prepares the way for the Lord. And that's what is necessary. So he's like, are you guys here just so that you can seem like you're hip and, you know, involved in the new stuff that's going on? Or are you really repenting and turning to God in the heart? You know, so he's like, make it real, man. Verse 11, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So again, this is a warning to the religious leaders. You know, the religious leaders, I think it's the same thing today. You know, like, we don't want to think that we're in the wrong category. Just go ahead and turn to Jesus. You're going to be the wheat, not the chaff. But the people who think that they're all that, but they're just leading people into useless religion, those are people that are going to be in a world of hurt. That's specifically who John was talking to here. Uh, The religious leaders who are leading people astray. So these first 12 verses of Matthew 3 You know, this is all about John calling people to repent, to turn to God. That's where forgiveness comes from. Of course, Jesus pays the price on the cross to redeem us. That's where the power of forgiveness comes from is through Christ's death on the cross. And then we can be redeemed. You know, it's just, it's just big stuff. This is big stuff. Then John the Baptist is baptizing. You know, the Pharisees and Sadducees showed up as well as all the people from the whole region, you know, and then Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up. We continue on Matthew three thirteen. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? So John the Baptist, rightly, is looking at Jesus thinking, yeah, okay, <laughs> no, I'm not going to baptize you. you. You could baptize me if you wanted, but John is like, I'm not above you. I'm not, you know, like, what are you doing? Does Jesus need to repent? Does Jesus need to have his sins washed away? You know, like, not at all. So what's going on here? John says, no, 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 no. But Jesus continues. Verse 15, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Now that is a good baptism service. Let me tell you. All right. So Jesus goes ahead and gets baptized. He says to John, look, it's proper for us to do this. We need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. So what is Jesus doing? He he doesn't need to repent and turn away from his sin. He, because he's living a sinless life, but he is doing this as an example for us. Jesus submitted to water baptism, to John's baptism, to show that even Jesus was willing to do that. So we are not more powerful than Jesus. We're not above Jesus. We can go ahead and do this as well. Jesus showed what it meant to be a servant leader. And he submitted himself to baptism. He washed the disciples' feet. He submitted himself to the cross. He was willing to do these things for other people, either as a substitute or as an example. And Jesus here gets baptized as an example. 
both of his own humility and what we should do. We should be water baptized as well. And Almighty God, God the Father, responds. The Spirit of God descends like a dove, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Apparently, audible voice for everyone to hear. Wow. That would have been something to see. Then, you know, Jesus is baptized here. Jesus was baptized in water. This would have been at about age 30. So he's about 30 years old here when he's baptized in water as an example for us to follow. Then John the Baptist gets thrown in prison. It's not so great. So Jesus continues the message of water baptism. We jump to verse 12 of chapter 4. Verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went up and lived at Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. A people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on... Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is word for word what John the Baptist was preaching in chapter three. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And this would have also been water baptism associated with it. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. When you repent, you get water baptized. Jesus taught his disciples to baptize people in water. I don't know if Jesus baptized people specifically. It does certainly say that that he had his disciples baptize people. So maybe he did some baptisms. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he only taught his disciples or maybe the apostles he baptized. I don't know exactly. It doesn't specifically say, but Jesus continues the message. Repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is something that was a regular occurrence to those turning to faith in Jesus was that they would be water baptized. And usually what's interesting here, a little bit different than our culture, is that when they came to Christ, they'd get baptized that same day. You know, like it was like the altar call. You know, you you raise your hand, you're going to come forward, you know, today's your day, that sort of thing. Like they'd go get water baptized as like the altar call. You know, like it was something that was... Same day, you know, regular occurrence for people turning to Jesus to saying, yes, I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to turn to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of my life. And that's what they would do. It'd be like the vast majority of examples are same day, same day as turning to God, you get water baptized. And for me, you know, living in our culture, I was in my mid-20s, you know, I had my basic salvation experience at 19, though I didn't understand what was going on. So, I mean, I didn't even know about baptism and that sort of things. It took me a while to figure out what was going on. And then in my mid-20s, you know, it was like, yeah, it's time, time for me to uh, go ahead and, and be baptized. And it was a wonderful experience. I still remember the pastor, Pastor Kent, kind of leaned over to me and he said, you know, I'm going to uh, have to hold you down a little longer than most people, you <laughs> know. You know, making a joke about, I got all my sins, you know, it's going to take a little bit of extra time. Uh, but, you know, just made it a, a little special moment and and it was neat. You know, it was definitely a, a cool thing, but it wasn't the day I came to faith in Jesus. 
So in our culture, we have a tendency to wait. Maybe your church would require some classes you need to take to make sure you understand what you're doing. But uh, the, the significance of water baptism is that, okay, I used to be like this. Now I'm going to be like this. I used to follow myself. Now I'm going to follow Jesus. I used to be mired in sin. Now I'm forgiven and set free. I used to be all about myself and I would use people and manipulate people and lie and do all these things. Now I'm done with that, washed clean. I'm walking with God now. That's the significance of it. It's a, it's a outward symbol of what's happened in the heart. And it doesn't really matter if it's the same day you come to faith or if it's, you know, after taking some classes or that sort of a thing. The significance of it is believers in Jesus should be water baptized. And it's part of showing people and God that you're serious. You're not in that, well, maybe sort of kind of following Jesus place anymore. You're in the, yes, I have decided to follow Jesus. So this water baptism, 1 Peter 3.21, I think is a great just little verse on what it means to be baptized and follow Jesus. 1 Peter 3.21, Peter's talking about a bunch of stuff, but then this kind of gets thrown in there. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So water baptism here, um, and don't get hung up by the, the verbiage. We're saved by faith in Christ and what Jesus did on the cross. But water baptism is so intimately tied to that, that, you know, we're declaring our faith in what Jesus has done on the cross, that we believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is enough for me to be forgiven and set free and be able to live a new life, you know, led by the Holy Spirit. We're believing all of that. It's all tied together. But catch this. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. So when we submit to be baptized, we are pledging, Lord, I will live your ways. I will keep my conscience clear between us. And there's also a potential double meaning as we have a footnote on this one, which says, or an appeal for God to God for a clear conscience. So it's, it indicates probably both the forgiveness of sins, now clearing my conscience and my pledge to keep it that way in the future. Now, might you slip and need some more encouragement? For sure. Don't get all hung up on that either. This is like anything else. I'm going to start eating right. You, you eat right. Maybe you make a mistake one day and you eat stuff you shouldn't eat. But now you get back on, on the horse and, and you, you keep going. You know, that's how it is. It's a pledge of a good conscience. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to walk with Christ. I am forgiven and free. My conscience is made clear. Now I'm going to keep it that way. And you keep on going. So that's 1 Peter 3.21. But my very favorite section of scripture dealing with baptism is Romans chapter 6. This is what I'll be preaching on on Sunday night. Uh, so July 10th, if, if you're watching this on the CW, tonight we have our baptism service at Pinehurst Park here in Cloquet. Very excited about that. We rent out the pool and we have our baptism service. We have a church picnic. It's all kinds of fun. 
And let's read from Romans chapter six. I want to read verses one through 14, because this is just a significant, significant treatment of water baptism and the significance of it in living the new life. So here we go. Six, one. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Like Jesus didn't die on the cross so you could keep on sinning. He died on the cross so that you could be set free. That's, that's it. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I just love the symbolism of this. So water baptism, and we do the full immersion, you know, dunk in the water thing, and because that's what they did in the Bible times. And you, you put the person under, baptized into Christ's death, the old man is crucified with Christ. Then you bring the person up. Now it's like the resurrection of Christ brought into a new life. No longer the old, now you're the new. You're no longer the selfish person, now you're the serving person. You're no longer the person that uses and abuses other people, now you're a person who blesses and encourages other people. You're no longer the person who runs away from God, now you're the person who runs to God. The old is gone, the new has come. The <laughs> Crucified with Christ, made alive, born again in Christ. Just fantastic. Let's keep reading. Verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. So this is talking about new life today, but also everlasting life in the paradise of God. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God, in Christ Jesus. So verse 11 is probably like the clearest. I just, in the same way, Jesus living for God, for us living for God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. So hallelujah. We are brought from the old into the new. And you know, if you're somebody who's maybe not super familiar with Christianity, the word sin might be a little bit of a confusion. You know, it means to miss the mark. Sin means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. And it means that you didn't hit the target. You didn't hit the bullseye, you know, you missed. And, uh, so when we live our lives in a way that misses it, you know, where instead of truth, we speak lies that, that misses it. Instead of loving other people, we stereotype and hate people. You know, my, here's my definition of bigotry. It's when you demonize and homogenize a group of people. They're all the same and they're all terrible. 
That's just rampant in today's culture. You know, you just believe internet lies, all the stuff. When you realize, you know what, that's missing the mark. I'm, I'm actually going the wrong direction here. That's sin. It's not, you know, dumb religious rules or stuff like that. It's when you're missing the mark. And we get forgiveness for missing the mark and brought into the goodness of God. So that's what it's all about. That's what it means to be water baptized. You're, you're agreeing with Jesus has died for my sins, that I could be set free from the old and brought into the new, no longer missing the mark, but now walking in the center of God's will, living out who I truly am so that I can grab hold of all the good things from my creator God, my deliverer, my savior, my healer, the Lord, grab hold of all those good things. So just like 2,000 years ago, there are those who say yes to Jesus, and there are those who say no. I want you to say yes. It's just that simple. I don't want you to say yes to me. I don't care if you like me. I don't care. You know, I am, I'm not someone who can do anything for you except maybe lead you to Jesus who can do something for you. Don't say yes to me. Don't say yes to Good Hope Church. I'm not asking you to say yes to Christian culture. I'm asking you to say yes to the one true God, to the creator God who loves you and who's made a way for you, whose face lights up when he thinks about you, who has a plan for you and wants to see you grab hold of everlasting life. I want you to know that God, to know what it means to be brought into a connection with him. It's just so good. So turn to God. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Turn away from selfishness. Turn away from hurting other people, using other people. Turn away from proving yourself and needing to be the man and all that. Turn away from walking alone through this life. Something great about being part of the family of God, walking with God through this life. And then maybe you find some brothers and sisters in the family to be able to walk through this life with you. Closing verse, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This to me, uh, I think is a good way to close this sermon. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2. Here the Apostle Paul's making an appeal. And he says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. This is the time when anyone can turn to God. That day is going to be over and it'll be the day of judgment. It's, it's, it's going to be different. But now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let's grab hold of it. It's time to make the commitment to follow the Lord from this day forward. If you've been sort of believing in God, that's a no. I will not follow you. You need to say yes. Yes, I will follow you. Today is the day for you to say yes. If you're ready and you're watching this at the right time, maybe you're on the CW, maybe you watch on YouTube, you know, on the weekend that this is the live sermon. Hey, Sunday night, 530 Pinehurst Park. Let me see you there. July 10th, 2022. If we've never met before, but you want to make a commitment to Jesus, we'll talk about that at 530. Doors open at six. We'll have our baptism service. You're free to come to the potluck. You don't have to bring anything. Just show up, eat something, meet some new people. It'll be good. If you're ready to make that commitment, you've not been water baptized uh, as a conscious person. And now you're like, yeah, you know what? I'm in. Or, you know, come on. I want to see you. I want to see it. We'll see you Sunday night, July 10th, 2022, 530, outside the doors of the Pinehurst Pool. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that today is the day of salvation. 
Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to wander aimlessly through this life trying to figure it out, but we can turn to you. Lord, I pray for those who have been confused by false Christianity, by bad Christian culture, by bad believers who have got their focus on religion. And Lord, I pray that their focus would be on you, the creator God. It would be untainted by uh, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, the church, the the people who are misrepresenting you, that their vision of who you are, your love, your goodness, your power would be untainted by the people of this world. They could see you for who you are and turn to you. Turn away from missing the mark and turn to connecting with you, knowing you, knowing your love, your power, your strength, your glory, your goodness, knowing your family. Lord, for the one who is in the middle of that struggle in their heart, I pray, Lord, just right now, they would say yes. And that would be it. The struggle's over. It's time to say yes. Time to be water baptized, make that public declaration and grab hold of your goodness. So Father, bless each one of us. Help us to grab hold of your truth, to walk in your ways, to represent you well in this world. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.